The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to a absent-minded extra, and with that intro, the Russian national anthem, it can only mean one thing. We're here with Jillian Kemmerer once more, and we got Alexander Romanov signed. What's your initial reaction, Jillian? Well, I was going to say bonjour, but we should be saying uh, dobre utra. It's the new Russian dawn in Montreal. It's so exciting. Um, you know, of course, this was totally expected. We were hearing rumors of a three-year deal uh, for a while, but it's so exciting that we're finally starting to see pen to paper, and, and it comes at a, a great time. I think Alexander Romanov, and, and I've said this before, you know my drill with, with Russians coming to the NHL. There tends to be a sweet spot. It tends to be a bit older. Romanov is only 20, but this is a kid who has demonstrated both physicality and intelligence on the ice far beyond his years. I think the World Juniors gave us a glimpse of that, his performances at Seiska as well, despite the fact that we had a somewhat limited window on him because of his ice time. And, and I know that we've talked about this before, so I don't want to bore your, your podcast regulars, but um, when it's obvious that a player is coming to North America, like Romanov, um, there's sort of a limited interest in investing and developing. And I think that that has been a big deal at Seiska for Romanov, as well as the fact that being a youngster on one of the deepest blue lines in the KHL, he was going to have to fight for ice time to begin with. His North American, somewhat, I guess, in Nikitin's eyes, premature intentions would have counted against him. But his own national team coach, Valerie Brogan, has said repeatedly on the record that he thinks that that Romanov is ready for Montreal physically and mentally. And, and I think I would have to agree with that statement, despite the fact that I normally look to see these guys come over a bit older. So overall, just a very exciting, long-awaited day. And I cannot imagine how much sleep you've lost tonight going into today. Uh, it's been it's been amazing here. I just told you my kids were laughing. My phone was burning up when I was giving the <laughs> class. So so yeah, it's it's all good. Um, you mentioned the World Juniors. We saw in the in the first World Juniors that where he was voted the best defender, and and I spoke to Thomas Montaigne, the World Junior coach for Sweden, and he said, yeah, I voted Romanov, no 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 doubt. And uh, uh, there he showed his offensive skill. He showed his passing. He showed uh, even his slap shot a few times. Whereas this year he took really a step back and, and performed at a very good defensive level uh, and was voted into the all-star team, but he wasn't the defender of the tournament because that went to a very offensive-minded Rasmus and Dean. Uh, do you think he can build on those two things 
to to show his skill in NHL? Can he develop that offensive again? That where has he been held back very much in in Seska? Right. So I think that his offensive skills are not necessarily showcased on on CSKA and they perhaps were better showcased on his performances with his national team at, at World Juniors. But, you know, in terms of his his defensive skill set, he's an incredible skater. He's so strong and so smart. He forces uncontrolled entries maybe better than anyone else on CSKA. And we have some of the best defenders in the K or we did on that squad. He wins battles. He's aggressive. He's decisive. And I think his defensive game will only continue to improve. It's much better suited to North America than it was to Russia. So, and I agree with Bragan on that point. He's made that point before. So I think all of that, we can only stand to continue to see improvement and it's very exciting. In terms of his offensive skills, um, I think personally that if if we ever had to point to a weakness with Romanov, um, we might look there. And sometimes we see him taking inaccurate long-range shots, for example. But I can't help but point to the fact that in these weak points, we have seen constant improvement. I like that he's offensively minded and the fact that he's passing more. We see a bit more patience coming from him. He's getting better about making himself more open. He has a, a tough shot that I think if he hones it, a hard shot at a distance, it could be brutal <laughs> in the NHL. And all of this is stuff that I think he will work on once he comes to North America. There's certainly room for improvement. But I like what I see from him mentally. He's an immense competitor. He's an agitator. All of this is going to serve him well. And I, I do think that there's room for improvement, but I, I certainly believe that there's a desire. And every area of his game where you might say, eh, we need to see a little bit of finesse, we have seen marked improvement. And that's always a good thing. He is young. He is 20. He is not established in his game, even though he has some nice accolades to his name, such as a, a Gagarin Cup win. But I think that he's going to come with the appetite to learn. And, and that's what I'm really excited to see from him uh, over the course of either his time with Laval and then, of course, eventually with the Canadians. You mentioned Laval. You really think he will be in Laval? I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say what Montreal is going to decide to do with him. I think if he goes to Laval, it'll be a very limited amount of time. Um, and I, I believe that he's ready to enter the Canadians locker room right now. Um, I thought that about uh, Vitaly Kravtsov as well, actually, especially after his Traverse City performance. Now, we saw that the Rangers had, you know, a great deal of depth, a lot of youngsters. They wound up sending him to the AHL. It, it began to look like the right choice when we started to see some weaknesses in his confidence, his mentality. But off the basis of both of his performance at Tractor and his performance at Traverse City, I thought that Vitaly Kravtsov was probably ready to be sitting in Madison Square Garden. Would I think he'd get a lot of ice time? No. Um, but do I think that it may have benefited him to be in that locker room around the Russian players there, you know, completely elevating his confidence? He's a, a guy that plays up to expectations. So, you know, that that was a scenario that surprised me just a little bit. With Romanov, I believe he's fundamentally ready. Um, and it's going to be up to the Canadians what they think is best for his development. But I think once he gets on the ice there and he shows his defensive skill set, it's far beyond a kid who's 20 years old. The way that he reads forwards, he's immensely intelligent and he has the physicality to back it up. Indeed. And and mentorship is, is huge, maybe even more in Montreal. Um, there is rumors that Kovalchuk is coming back it, partly to mentor Romanov especially, but also because he loved the city, he loved the fans, and having someone as established 
and recognized even in Russia. And and when I met Romanov in Stockholm, he was like, yeah, I follow I follow uh, I follow the, uh, Kowalczuk and and how he performs in 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 uh, Montreal, and it's super fun to see. So so you had sort of a little bit that way, and also he's already proclaimed that he's a huge fan of Shea Weber. And uh, mm. if Shea Weber can help him with his shot, yeah, this can be really interesting. Oh, the mentorship aspect is huge. Having another Russian in that locker room would only serve Romanov. Now, as you've pointed out, his English appears to be quite elevated compared to other prospects that are coming over to the NHL or traditionally have. That's awesome to see. But having someone like Kovalchuk there who he can resort to native language <clears throat> when there's questions in the locker room, who he can relax and 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 be around and, and feel that sense of camaraderie. I think that it only helps him improve his confidence. It only helps to aid in the transition. Um, I, I said this before to you, but Russians perform well in packs, whether we look at the 94 Rangers, the, the Detroit Red Wings of the late 90s, even the Rangers today. All of those things, they're all examples to serve the fact that having more than one Russian in the locker room aids the transition that takes some of that enigmatic quality of whether, you know, the kind of will he, won't he adjust to the NHL. I think that the more Russians you have, the better. So if Kovalchuk comes, it's great. But as far as mentors, I mean, you can't really get better than Weber. I mean, if Romanov is intrigued by Weber's game, I, I can see him helping Romanov to produce offensively. I think that that could be a really nice role for Weber to step into. And I, I like the fact that Romanov is already keeping an eye on that and, and looking toward mentorship. He's a kid that comes across as very aggressive, competitive, com uh, confident. All of that is true. And I like that about him. But the fact that he's talking about these mentors and wanting to learn from them, it also shows that he doesn't believe his development has peaked and I'm, I'm glad to hear it and I think that it's only going to serve him as he gets to Montreal you say Russian perform very well in packs something happened last week that was very very interesting and, and he proposed in an ostentious very Russian way <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with 100 white roses and uh, obviously the young lady was was super excited you can tell from the pictures but uh, looking at it um, it would help, um, partly it helps him having his girlfriend there. That, that's a huge thing. You, you, you build your family, you build something together, you have something to come home to, you're not alone. That's perfect. But also I'm thinking in the way if Kovalchuk re-signs with, with uh, Montreal, she will have a mentor as well because she will have Kovalchuk's wife. Absolutely. And you always see the closeness of the families. I can remember I grew up with Christina Simak, her father, uh, Sasha Simak played for the New Jersey Devils, a number of teams um, and the, the wives, families and children of Russian players always become close. Nemchinova's daughter is close with, or Nemchinov's daughter is close with, Fetisov's daughter is close with, Simak's daughter. There's a Russian community that builds very strongly. I mean, if you look at the families in Detroit, they're all still very close. Um, Larianov's daughters refer to Sergei Fedorov as their uncle. So all of that's positive. And yes, I think as you pointed out, the Russians have this propensity for enormous flower arrangements. If you go to Sophia's Instagram, you can see numerous examples of Romanov's very romantic gestures. But she posted one. It was just an absolute, I mean, boat full of white roses. And she she wrote, yes, kazala da, with like a little... Uh, uh, I think it was an emoji of a ring. Which is, so basically, it's like, I said yes, hashtag bride, I believe it was. Yeah. So, yeah, she's very excited. And one thing I will note, because a lot of people are going to be like, he's 20 years old. What's he doing? He's too young to be married. Um, 
yes, it's very young to be married. It may even be slightly young by Russian standards, but Russians get married much younger than your average European or North American. Um, you know, I can't make any personal decisions. I don't know <laughs> the two of them personally to be able to say, yes, this is love at first sight. But certainly, I mean, it does add an element of stability. And we have seen, for example, that Igor Shostyorkin is quite young. He's also married. His wife came over with him. All of that just serves for more stability at home, which is great. I read a book uh, about Socrates, one of my favorite football players, uh, not mm. the philosopher, but but uh, he, po- he, he, <laughs> he played football yeah, as well. <laughs> Two thousand years between, but it was right. <laughs> but but on the other hand, he Johan uh, Cruyff in that book mentions uh, a happy player is player off the field and in off the ice here in in, in ice hockey world. This certainly brings something to that, and and I know that Milan. In, in football as well, has encouraged players to get married quite young, to get a family life, so when they go leave the practice, they have something to come home to. They can like cut out ice hockey for a little bit and refresh their mind and set their their, their priorities again, if, if, if that com- makes sense. Absolutely. And I, and I think this is really, you know, I, I'd say it's a smart thing to do as well. and and. Maybe it might keep some of the young ladies in Montreal at bay as well. Oh, I don't know about that. I got a couple of tweets when I posted about the engagement, like, no, how dare you? I, I think, yes, it's overall, it's it's a, a sign that he was cleaning up his affairs before he left Russia. And that's why I may have said this to you even. I was like, huh, interesting timing of this conversation and this decision. But you know, I think any support you have is someone coming to a new country. I mean, I did the reverse expat. I went from North America to Russia and and had to improve my language skills and get settled. And I think if I had brought a significant other there or I had a community there, it would have aided my transition. And it was tough. But I also didn't have millions of people watching that transition. And Montreal is notorious for having very dogged media that are keeping track of what their players are up to. It's a small city in that sense. So anything he has to keep him anchored at home, I'm 100 percent for. And, and I wish them both you know, lots of love and happiness. Yeah, and, and that brings up the next thing that, that I put on the list that we should talk about. And, and then you just asked me if before, and, and we have some sort of idea how this works. But the European clause, um, mm-hmm. is it only in, in your mind and, and what we have spoken about and, and your knowledge about how this works? My knowledge is that it would be a loan out to Seska. But do you think that will happen only if NHL doesn't start or if he gets sent down to the Laval? I think it's highly unlikely that he's going to exercise that unless we start to see some coronavirus-related delays of the NHL season. I don't think Romanov is expecting 100% to walk into the Canadians' locker room, I am sure. And and Dan Milstein is his agent. He handles a lot of young players coming from Russia to North America. I'm sure expectations have been properly set. We forgot to mention Alexander Romanov's father is an agent as well, though he doesn't represent his son. Romanov knows the deal. And if Montreal decides to sign him to Laval, if let's say he has some trouble when he first comes over or you know, they identify any particular weaknesses in his game that would make him a liability uh, on the bench, the Laval assignment, as long as it doesn't go on for too long, I don't think is necessarily going to trigger um, that reaction to go back to Europe. I, you know, I can't speak for Romanov, and I know that the pressures of coming to North America sometimes elicit knee-jerk reactions, and I might have argued that with Kraftsov, but... 
in general, I, I think that this is a kid who knows what he's walking into. He has a very nice network of mentors. And coming from, say, a ska, he would have had access to Sergei Fedorov on the regular. Um, he has access to guys like Kaprizov and Sorokin who know the score coming to North America, although I highly doubt either of them will be spending any time in the AHL. Romanov is younger than them. I, I think that we're only going to see him go back to Europe if it looks like it's going to be months and months off the ice. And already these guys, I mean, I'm interviewing a lot of KHL players over the this course of the past few weeks. None of them have had access to the ice. It's very nervy. So I, I understand that a lot of them are very eager to be back and playing. So it's like, okay, well, whatever league comes back first. But Romanov is, is hellbent on North America. That's been obvious for a long time. So I have no expectations of him exercising that clause for you know, any light reason. I think it will only be for a serious delay or some kind of unexpected, very extended sojourn to Laval. Okay, so final question. You know what's coming. Boom or bust? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate this question. Um, you know, I think that Romanov, when we see Russian busts in the NHL, um, very often I would attribute it to coming over too early or too late. Um, Shapachev, I think, came over too late. Um, sometimes we see guys come over a little too early. Um, or it's just this utter inability to adjust. Um, sometimes that could be coming from the locker room itself. Sometimes it's coming from the player and, and maybe a lack of, of flexibility and, and ability to establish chemistry with teammates. All of that, I can imagine, is very, very tough. Romanov has on one of the most talented teams in the KHL. He's not coming from, you know, some team languishing in the bottom of the Eastern Conference in the middle of Siberia. He's coming from Red Army with a lot of eyes, a lot of organizational firepower, a lot of role models and mentors. Um, and he's also got some incredible accolades behind him. I mean, he's already won a Russian championship. He already has a title. Um, all of this only goes to serve as just continued um, affirmation of what he's able to do as a competitor, but he also has the skill set to back it up. He's someone who is salivating for ice time. He got so little of it in, in say a sky it did go up over the course of the season, but it started out somewhere around like a little over eight minutes. This is a kid who is worth a lot more than eight minutes per 60. So I think that he's going to seize the opportunity. I, the fundamentals are there. His offensive weaknesses, I think, can be handled, and they're already being handled. It's not that he just has these weaknesses laid bare open. He is making an effort, and it's obvious, and it's demonstrable. He's passing more. He's being a little bit more intelligent about the way he shoots excuse me, the way he shoots. I think all of this just goes to serve as the possibility that he is a strong defenseman. He can handle NHL pressure. So I definitely don't think that he's going to be a bust. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly very hopeful that he's going to be a boom because if we looked at how he played in Seiska, even with limited snapshots of him, he still was among the better defenders on that team. And, and that's something really, really special for a team that is stacked with talent. Indeed. And uh, so the, the only question is, how many Norrises will he get? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me for that prediction. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think that he's I think he's a candidate. I, I really believe that this is this is a strong young defender coming out of Seiska. And if he really continues to show that will to improve um, and his offensive skills, I mean, because he wants he's fast. He wants to get out. He wants to contribute offensively. If we just fine tune that shot. If we just continue to encourage him to pass and his passing is getting more accurate, I, I don't know. I see this kid as being a, a complete defender and I see him as being a really nice addition to the Canadians locker room. 
Yeah, and if we can see some of those highlights, real tackles as well. He he had a few <sighs> in the first year of, of in Seska where he he really looked like a Russian version of uh, um, Cronwall. And and uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe the Russian wall. We we can add more names to his his or nicknames to his name because we got the Tsar, we got the assassin, we got we got the Russian wall now. We and, we got Sasha. And okay, got... I've got I've got one more for you because I don't know if I mentioned this at the outset of the conversation, but when Valery Bragan was interviewed about Romanov, they were asking how he compares to other young defenders that Bragan has coached. Someone said, "What about Orlov?" And he said, "I think that he is actually stronger and and more kind of has more physical prowess." So, in terms of you know, he might be the new Orlov as well. So it'll be very interesting that plays out over the course of his NHL career. But for Bragan to be drawing those comparisons, it only gives me confidence. Yeah, it's very un-Russian to really promote a player that young. So it's a very, very big yes. vote of confidence from Bragan. As always, Julian, thank you very much. Um, I'm sad that we really didn't get to meet at UCL, but yeah, we're meeting like this instead. I know. Well, maybe we'll we'll be meeting in Montreal one of these days when we have to go check in on on all these Russians crossing the pond. Or or Moscow. I mean, like or Moscow. I, I, I want to go to the Bolshoi and drink some champagne. So you know. <laughs> well, you know who to call if that's what you're after. <laughs> Indeed. Enjoy the rest of the day. I know you're super busy. Thank you for taking the time. Spasiba. Spasiba Voshaya. I really appreciate your time and, and thanks for having me on. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.